Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Afton, and this is the Digital Project Manager Podcast. So today I'm joined by Kelly Suter. In fact, Kelly, I don't even know if that's how I pronounce your surname. Is it Kelly Suter? It is. You've got it. <laughs> Excellent. We're on to a winner today. So, Kelly, thanks for joining the show. Hi, and, it's uh, great to join. Cool. So today we're going to be talking about an article that Kelly wrote, um, and we're calling it the Digital Project Manager Developer Dance. Uh, this is all about how we can get the best out of our development teams. But firstly, Kelly, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, well, actually, when I first uh, when I first looked you up, um, and it said you uh, you work for an agency called Irish Titan, I was convinced. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's an Irish agency, and they're calling themselves Irish Titan because because they're proud of being Irish. Because that's what Irish people do. But uh, where where is Irish Titan, and why are they called Irish Titan? It's a question we get all the time. So we are an agency based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, United States. And uh, the reason we're called Irish Titan actually is for no other really good reason than uh, my, my boss, the, the CEO and founder of Irish Titan, Darren Lynch. He is very Irish and he's very proud to be Irish. So uh, really, he was playing basketball one day and he was trying to think of the name of his agency and uh, he was feeling you know, like a Titan that day. And he's like, uh, we're going to be Irish Titan. And that is really the, the gist of the story. And he was pretty jazzed about it. Our logo is a Titan helmet and the rest is history. So we're, we're the Titans at Irish Titan in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> so we all nice. claim to be at least a little Irish, but I myself am over half, but no matter <laughs> yeah, what, I guess as, if you're here, as, you're is, Irish. as is everyone in the world, it seems. Like, especially. <laughs> Patrick's Day, all the Irish come out of the woodwork. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. So, um, and what, tell me what you do at Irish Titan then. Mm -hmm. So at Irish Titan, I'm the director of project management here. I oversee the project management team. And so we are a team of seven and growing, of course, with the rest of the company. And so, yes, I started here in 2013 as really the first digital project manager here at Irish Titan. And from there, I, I really just, you know, grew with, with a team of two and then three and then back to two and so on, how it goes as a growing company. And now we're seven strong and uh, we have digital project managers, digital coordinator, uh, digital PM intern, and then myself that helps oversee everything. And while I don't have my hands directly on any projects, I'm always you know, behind the curtain and watching everything. So in a non, non creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> You're in charge, really. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool. And so, and uh, what kind of, um, what kind of projects does Iris Titan do then? Yes. So we are, uh, we build websites and we build e-commerce and brochure custom websites. So we don't, uh, typically we steer away from, from templates. And so we do, we have a big focus on e-commerce and we're partners with Magento and we work, you know, Shopify, but we're platform agnostic really. So we don't want to fit any of our clients into a box. We like to uh, understand first what their business requirements are and then find the best platform for their, their business solution. So our, you know, our motto is business first, online second. So we're first understanding the business and then using that uh, collaboration with the client to then apply it to a digital solution online. Uh, so yeah, focus on e-commerce and brochure, brochureware, custom website. Cool. Uh, but what is your favorite? You must have a favorite. 
but you are, be honest. Uh, of a platform, you're asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would have to say that Drupal is my very favorite. Um, you know, I think that it shouldn't be. You know, brochureware websites are are typically less complicated than e-commerce, but in my mind, yeah. uh, uh, I really. I get kicks out of out of a CMS and admin that is intuitive and that helps uh, the admin users and our clients really able to manage their website. I think that Drupal being, you know, open source, uh, it, it allows a lot of flexibility and for our clients to be able to learn how to go into their admin and work in the CMS and be able to manage their business as closely as they're able to so that we can really focus on the cool customizations and so that we're not going in and, you know, changing changing text and updating their their copy and their content on their website. They have the power to do that so that we can really focus on the cool stuff. So that's that's why Drupal is my very favorite is because I think it is the most intuitive from an admin standpoint. You know, granted, it's not e-commerce, mm-hmm. so there's not all the ins and outs of inventory and whatnot. So Magento is just as, just as a kick butt, but um, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really. So, enjoy and you, you prefer you prefer Drupal from a so from a client editing perspective. You Absolutely. prefer Drupal over WordPress. I do. Or cycle. I really? do. Really? And you know, maybe my bias comes from uh, our our developers. So we have all in house developers. We don't contract out, and so they're all in here. They're all under the same roof. And I think that we are really spoiled at Irish Titan with how our developers create that CMS admin experience. Because I have seen some Drupal admin and I have seen, of course, WordPress admin and what have you. And it's, and it's a little bit, you know, it can be clunky depending on how that, that developer really builds the experience for the client. And I think Drupal allows you to not only customize the user experience for the client's customers or users, but um, it also allows the developer to customize the client admin experience. And we have some really awesome, sounds really, I guess, nerdy, but really awesome Drupal admin uh, CMS interfaces that makes it easy for the client to manage their stuff, like I said, so that we can focus on the really cool customization. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love, I'd love to see some of that someday. And are you, are you mainly building out in Drupal 8 or are you still on 7? Yep, we are building out in Drupal 8. We just had our e-commerce forum last week, actually, and we built that website, ecomforum.com uh, uh, or something like that, I should really know. But uh, we already had the event. It was last week, and we built that in Drupal 8. We're building our next Irish Titan website in Drupal 8, and then we have a couple clients actually right now that are about to jump into construction in Drupal 8. So, uh, well, plenty are in 7, and it's a fine running machine and all good to go for, you know, even a couple more years. We are working in Drupal 8 as well. Yeah, Drupal 8. I've been working on a project in Drupal 8 for the past few months and uh, yeah. there's so much that's great about it, and there is also so much that's a pain in the ass about it because there's things that just work in Drupal 7 yeah. and uh, that just haven't been finished yet in Drupal 8. Totally. Um, and it's like, really, guys? <laughs> this, this is not finished. Right. <laughs> like, oh, the date you- picker does not work. Like, guys, finish this off before saying it's done. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, with any platform, really major update, right? I mean, you go from one to another, and sometimes it's like you're in a whole, you are in a whole different world. You're like, man, but, uh, you know, and then it happens again for the next update, and you're already used to the new one and what have you. So always changing, always evolving. Always changing. And so um, and so you said Magento is your preferred e-com platform? 
Uh, Magento is. So we're partners, we're platinum partners with Magento. So, well, I, I don't want to say necessarily preferred. It's, it's definitely the most used. So most of our, uh, a majority of our e-commerce clients are on Magento 1 and 2. So I think we have a couple of clients that have launched on Magento 2 now and all of the Magento websites we currently have in construction are all Magento 2. So that is a majority of our e-commerce clients. And then we have uh, some on, you know, we're working on Shopify builds. So those are the two main ones that we that we focus on. But Magento is a vast majority of our clients, by all means, because it is really what doesn't work on Shopify might be for Magento and that it's more robust. There's more complicated, you know, uh, customizations that's needed, whether it's a multi-storefront solution or, um, you know, you have all sorts of different permissions and, and caveats and what have you. So uh, where it might be more yeah. robust and complicated is where we look to Magento. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I find it really interesting because Shopify does offer so much out the box. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously you start paying on a monthly basis for all those customizations, um, which can start adding up. But the, like, the price difference like that it costs to develop a Shopify site versus a Magento site like a massive, like Shopify, like your initialization costs are pretty small. Right. Uh, whereas the Magento, like there's a big bill to pay. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, oftentimes you run into certain functionalities where you're like, you know, you're working on a Magento site and you're like, oh, and I know this thing on Shopify that does that. But, you know, in Magento, by, by all means with Magento 2 as well, you're like, I'm Magento 1, this works. But now Magento 2, I mean, it's kind of like the Wild West when it, when it comes to some extensions because they haven't yet or they're working on uh, extensions or integrations that are working well with Magento 2 that maybe we're working on one or exist over here on, you know, Shopify. But, uh, you know, it, it's all, like I said, it's always it's always changing, it's always evolving, and it's always comparing one to the other when it's, okay, do we go with these extensions that you're paying for either monthly or one-off payments, or are we looking for a custom solution over here on a different platform? It's always comparing and contrasting, which makes the PM position really, really fun <laughs> in all of those instances of comparing and contrasting yeah. scope and budget. Yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah, and also, I guess, the client's appetite for like ongoing subscriptions to services or extensions. And uh, yeah, interesting. So are you working, are there any projects that you're working on now that, uh, or that your team's working on now uh, that are particularly exciting that you can share? Uh, you know, we are working on, we have a really robust website build right now for uh, a company that is, it's a real retailer for for guns and so uh, for an e-commerce experience. So with that comes 101, you know, uh, rules and regulations and permissions and customizations. And it's a lot of moving parts. And there's, you know, you have your customer portal, the admin portal, the, uh, the regular, you know, user interface, the storefront. So uh, without getting into too much detail, you can only imagine all of the rules that need to be written within the code and, and within the admin. Um, so that's really exciting. It's a magenta, uh, it's actually, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a Laravel code that we're going to work with Magento uh, 2 that's going to make it kind of this, this beast of a machine that's going to be, you know, well-oiled a lot of moving parts, which of course always speaks to lots and lots of requirements up front to make sure that it's all buttoned up so everyone knows what to expect when going into construction and development and then going into QA. So that's a really exciting one that um, inevitably, a lot of parts, a lot of team players, 
lot of uh, third parties with integrations that all have to work together. And uh, yeah, that, 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 that's the biggest, probably exciting one that we have really on the horizon. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, in the, in, so in Canada, um, I don't know, you, you've probably looked at it as a uh, competitor um, in, in your competitor audit, but there's a shop called Cabela's and, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, I couldn't believe that you could actually buy a gun, <laughs> a gun online and it'd be yeah. delivered it to my apartment. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, Absolutely. oh my gosh, this is, this is North America. Oh, so for the record, I do have my gun license. So it's, it's all kosher. All but, uh, but, um, yeah, obviously like the verification where you enter, you enter in your like license ID and then it verifies you and then like, yeah, the next day a gun comes in the post. <laughs> That's crazy. Totally. But, uh, but oh. hey, it's all good for me. Totally, yeah. And talk so, about talk about terms and conditions. Like, <laughs> like, oh, that's its own huge requirement in and of itself. When usually that's just a basic page with some, you know, default terms and conditions left on it. But no, no, not this one. That sounds like a fun one. So tell me about um, I, in your bio. Uh, we we know a little bit about your story, but how did you get into digital project management? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Yes. So having had the background of, you know, the family business in graphic design and advertising, that was just sort of always something that I grew up with. It was like the past, sort of something in my blood. And uh, I actually ended up going down the route of publicity and public relations for a while. And uh, that was, you know, had me traveling last minute and this and that uh, 24-7 on call, which actually never changed. And I thought it might, but it didn't, but it's okay because it's always exciting and fun. Uh, but I actually had a friend who I've known forever and she is a Magento developer and she was a de- Magento developer here at Irish Titan about four years ago. And she had mentioned that there was no formal project management department. Now, mind you, there's there's only 12 people at the company at this time. So it's kind of one of those situations where uh, everyone at the company is wearing multiple hats and it works that way where you're like, yeah, we don't have a PM department, but it works right now because they, the, the sales is kind of doing AM and PM. And then you have the, yeah. the people who are wireframing and, and doing site mapping also doing PM and everyone's kind of, so, but at the rate that we were growing, it became ev- evident that there needed to be a PM, uh, position or that, that, that process of project management need to be solely focused on by one person because it just ended up being this, extra thing that people happen to get around to if they could. So with budgets, can't really happen that way, especially when you're growing. So my friend in- yeah. introduced me to uh, Darren Lynch, the yes, founder and CEO here. And uh, I talked to some of the other Titan employees that were kind of doing that job. And really, I, I read the book Interactive Project Management, which uh, I can let you know which one exactly I read. But I read that book. And I talked to, you know, my parents having had their, their business in the agency world, having talked to Darren, and I decided I was ready to step up to the plate, get back into the agency biz, and really take the reins on trying to really, really fine tune what this project management looks like at Irish Titan. So that's how it all began in March of 2013, I think. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, the the rest is history with a whole lot of learning, a lot of, you know, scrapes, knees, growing pains, uh, a lot of 
looking back, seeing what happened, looking at where we are currently, and then how we can keep moving ahead. Um, the digital PM community is awesome and has been invaluable for how I've grown. So that's what it that's what it looked like for the start of my career here. Cool. And, so, and, what, and I'm interested in your parents, your parents business. Yeah. Is that still a thing? It's not. It is still a thing? It's not actually. Oh. Yeah, no. So my, my dad ended up retiring. He, he sold the business and it's, uh, it, it's under a different name. And my mom is actually now she works in financial in a different and a different industry completely. And, you know, now my dad makes guitars and it's pretty kick butt, but uh, yeah, he, they, it was a graphic design agency, B Suter graphics and design. And they did graphic design for advertising print. Uh, yeah. So, so it was here in Minneapolis and, with my dad being the president and my mom being the vice president, really my mom was, was doing all things CFO and then my dad doing all the things that a CEO might do for a company of about 10 people. And so uh, when you think of graphic design, this is before, I mean, they had Macs, but it was the Macs, that, you know, with a little rainbow apple in the middle of the plastic yeah. under the yeah. screen. And, uh, and it was all tight. It was typesetting print. It was, you know, you had the light tables and it was awesome to grow up. And so I saw clients come in. I saw, you know, it was kind of like I, I literally grew up inside of a studio. And uh, instead of doing, you know, dishes for my for my uh, getting getting money for an allowance, I would I would help my mom organize invoices. And so I, I, I think I really I got the, the flavor of that agency lifestyle all, all throughout growing up and, and I could never kick it. That's a fun story. It's not, I don't think, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's, yeah, who's like, who's grown up in an agency like that. I think that's fascinating. <laughs> so, so, and tell me a bit about, so you're now the kind of director of project management at Irish Titan. So what, um, and you've seen that the kind of agency grown from small to getting bigger. Um, what's the, what's the kind of toolkit that you're working with? Uh, to manage your kind of team, your projects? What are the what are the tools that you're using? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, wow, how we would love to have one tool that rules them all, right? But uh, here I go. <laughs> I'll, I'll grab my grocery list of tools that we use. No, but uh, so we use the Atlassian Suite. We use Jira uh, and Bit, Bitbucket yeah. for the developers, but we use Jira. And right now we're currently going from the kind of classic Jira to Jira Cloud. We're trialing Jira, Jira Cloud right now, knowing very well we're going with it for sure and green light, but we want to make sure that we find all of the uh, potential gaps or differences so that when we make the transition, we know exactly, you know, how it's going to translate to the best of our ability so that suddenly we're not, you know, creating projects and saying, wait, we used to be able to do this, now this. Um, but so far, it's been awesome and it looks great and we're really excited. So here is what we use for all of our task management, uh, for all of our projects, managed services, full builds, uh, mini statements of work, you know, uh, retainers, what have you. And then we currently use Team Gantt for resourcing so that we use the company overview Team Gantt on a weekly basis to look at um, for the following week and the following weeks to see what workload looks like by the hour, by the day for each of our resources uh, with what Jira Cloud. Um, and Jira is able to handle this too, but I think Jira Cloud, it's, it's much more user-friendly to be able to take care of what otherwise Team Gantt has been doing for us so that we aren't doing all that kind of redundant manual input of data. So, uh, but we do use Team yeah. Gantt right now, and actually Team Gantt has great exports for client timelines and all of that. So that's worked really well for us. And then we use 
done done for an issue tracker during QA because with how we currently use Jira, we don't open that up to client access. So we uh, use okay. done done for client access during uh, quality assurance to have them sign in and have a really uh, simple, intuitive, and efficient tracker for tasks. And actually with how Jira Cloud is looking to be and, and some of the features and how they're incorporated, we are going to have that actually take care of done done too. So we love you, Dundun and Team Gant, but <laughs> we are going to have Jira <laughs> Cloud take care of both of those. So, um, but that's currently what we're using. Those three are the main ones. When it comes to, uh, you know, documentation and all that, we're using the Google Suite. We use Google Sheets, Docs, uh, Drive, all that. It's great. Um, and so we're using that for documentation, exporting, sign-offs, all of that. So that's really the the gist of our tools. We use Slack for communication. Uh, that's been awesome. We used to use Skype back in 2013, and then I went to a, a PM conference and came back with this kind of new-ish Slack, even though I know it's older than 2013-14, but uh, that was really, I think, when it was starting to pick up popularity, at least from what I could tell, and it's been awesome, yeah. and uh, our, our, our team loves Giphy's, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's really the main tool set that we're using for uh, managing, you know, resource budget cool. timelines. We use Tick as well. I should say we use TickSpot for uh, tracking time to projects. Pretty straightforward, but yeah. Jira, Jira Cloud will also be taking care of that as well. So thank you, Atlassian. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think it takes a certain team to, uh, yeah, to be on board, like uh, with using Jira for everything. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Keep reporting that. <laughs> cool. And have you, are there any tools that, I mean, you've been talking about Jira Cloud, but are there any other tools that you found recently uh, that you're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Everyone should know about this. What's changed your life right now? <laughs> oh, you know, I I think that, I think that Team Gantt, has been, that's our most recent tool that we added. And it wasn't like it was, yeah. I mean, I don't want to discredit it. It wasn't like it was mind blowing, but it was sort of like, why haven't we used this before? We used Smartsheet before Team Gantt, but Team Gantt, I think, uh, created a different way for how we were looking at resourcing through that company overview. Um, and it's such like a simple one snapshot of everybody's hours per day, per week, per resource in this big kind of ugly yeah. grid just because there's red dots popping up where you have, uh, you know, more than six hours on the resource, whatever, but like, because that's how we run. Right. Um, but other than that, I think that that kind of opened up our outlook of how we were resourcing, how we were thinking about workloads. And then also it was kind of like team Gantt's purpose seems to be for timelines and exporting and giving that to clients, but really we're using it more for looking at that overview of all of the hours per resource. So I think that uh, yeah. that has that one feature of it has opened up our eyes for how we want to reference it. And I think we're figuring out a way in Jira Cloud to yeah. make that work. But I think Jira, it goes without saying, is, is a beast. I feel like you feel like you are acclimated with how it works. And then suddenly someone's like, oh, you've been doing that. You can do it in this way. And you're like, of course, because Jira has a million and one things. It just takes a while to really know the ins and outs. So I would say Jira is really the... Yeah. the big the heavy hitter there it's just i can't even pretend to say i know uh how it all works i don't think i ever will but yeah i don't think no. anyone ever does <laughs> yeah like it's like 
It's like when you're in cheer and you're like, you you see someone doing something, you're like, what? That's what that button yeah. does? I I always, I never, I never click on that. Totally. I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, I guess that kind right. of makes sense. Right. But it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly powerful, but also I find the UI incredibly oh, <laughs> confusing. Yeah. Like, it's like, I, I never, why, why is that there? That's such a key piece of functionality and you've hidden it oh, behind absolutely. that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they could, yeah. my, I, my most water is just going through the reports being like, Oh, this could translate so much better if it was more intuitive to how to, how to access these or read these or to set the filters. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, you can set those filters to show you anything and pull you any sort of data that relates to task progress and status and what have you. And um, you practically kind of have to have to be able to write code in order to set some of those filters. And it's like, Oh man, this could be, this could be easier from a user standpoint, but yeah yeah cool so let's talk about um the article you've written and if you haven't checked it out yet especially if you manage developers this is a great read it's four questions you should never ask a developer and what to what to ask instead and yeah kelly tackles this challenge that we face when working with our dev teams we've been talking a lot about working with devs today and uh yeah there's this basic challenge that we as the pms like to think we're in charge uh but often the dev teams think they are too. So Kelly tackles that delicate dance. When we talk with developers, we engage with them in such a way that we can deliver the best results for you and your project without everyone getting frustrated. And what Kelly's suggesting instead is a, uh, uh, be more solutions focused. And uh, she talks about how to do that in the article. Um, and so, yeah, if you find yourself asking your devs things like, or saying things like, hey, this should only take about five minutes, or did you see that email I sent, or can you work on these six projects uh, today? Uh, read the article and check out what you should be uh, saying instead. But Kelly, in your uh, in your article, you talk about, uh, in, in the kind of wrap-up, um, you, t- you encourage us to do different things. And... Um, in terms of, you know, how we're engaging with our developers. And you talk about really the importance of accountability and trust and efficiency and encouraging our development team in that, which sounds like a really good idea. But how do you actually do that? How do, how, how do you make how do you make your developers encourage them to be more efficient? And how do you kind of, uh, yeah, help them be right, more accountable? Right. Uh, awesome question. Uh, because it sounds like the perfect world. It sounds like an ideal state. And I have, you know, yet to meet any PM or any resource at any agency that's like, yeah, we, we are in the perfect world. And it is like kumbaya, harmony all year round. Um, no, but I think that these are all, uh, elements to keep in mind that go, uh, that go ignored because it's just kind of like people, sometimes accept that there's just this rift or there that there's this tension between project managers and developers, uh, oftentimes because there's, there's time crunches, there's scope, budget, all those things. And I think that people have started to accept that that tension is just there. And really, it's something that, that we can work on. And how we can work on that is by communicating. And this isn't talking about feelings. This is this is opening up both avenues of communication where it doesn't have to be the PMs are dictating and talking at and directing um, while they should be orchestrating a project. They should also be opening up those avenues of communication to, to be flowing the other way. 
so that they can, you know, empower their development resources or whatever resource we're talking about here, but for, for the sake of relevancy, the, the development resources to empower them to give feedback on what might be working more efficiently or how to work more efficiently, uh, how yeah. we can approach something differently, perhaps, you know what I mean? I think that that, that communication, yeah. it seems so like, duh, but it oftentimes gets ignored because we just are so antsy to uh, put something in front of the client. We are antsy because we're making assumptions because this is how we've always done it. So why would we do it any differently now? Um, and when there is pressure, I think people do tend to lean on that blame game. And that doesn't leave any any room for productive communication. So I think that how you encourage that is in the weekly project scrum, you're asking, you know, truly, what are your blockers? And the blocker doesn't just have to be, oh, we need this extension to be approved by the client and that payment to happen. It might be the client is bombarding my inbox and I am not able to focus, you know, from my inbox into code. Or it might be my blocker is that I am waiting on this other developer or maybe this uh, this creative resource to give me what I need. And actually, there's a lot of back and forth that doesn't need to be happening. Can we figure out a better way of checks and balances to make this more efficient? Like those blockers are not necessarily always uh, related to the task you see in JIRA. It might be something with team communication and how that flow is looking. So I think that uh, stopping, pausing, and communicating is how you encourage things like uh, the PM educating themselves on context, the context of a project or figuring out that there is a risk between a developer and another resource that otherwise would go unnoticed because JIRA is not outlining that risk in a task or a task thread, um, if that makes sense. So opening up the communication yeah yeah no i think i think that's so true and i think um i think especially when the pressure's on as pms we can sometimes kind of default to i don't want to chat about this but you just need to do this task <laughs> like we've got a deadline coming up uh we i don't want to discuss this with you i just need you to get this done <laughs> and uh i think as soon as we get into that kind of position of um like the debate is over, um, just get on with the task, uh, and we lose sight of that communication, and we lose we lose the dialogue of like a developer saying, "Hey, um, I think there might be a better way that we can do this, or if we go down this route, it's going to cause some problems down the road." Um, and and just allowing that kind of open dialogue throughout the project, um, and 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 having the humility as well to say, "Hey." Um, do you still think that this is the right way to go? Like, is this, does this still make sense? Having that, having the humility to ask those questions, even if you think, uh, or even if you know that in changing the plan, it's going to potentially impact stuff. Well, it will impact stuff, it, but, uh, but just having the, um, the awareness that actually, like, let's leverage people's knowledge and, um, make use of, all the Absolutely. things they know um, and get the insight on that, I Absolutely. think is really helpful. And I think that uh, there's this stigma of, oh, they're just, they're a project manager. They, they just want this to get done. They're just a pencil pusher and they're just pushing papers and all this stuff. When we want to, at, at our agency specifically, and when, when a PM comes in, I don't want that stigma to be a thing. As soon as I start to hear that kind of communication or that kind of uh, uh, opinion, I want to shut it down by opening it up, opening up the communication. And I think that there is a line between 
you know, when it, when a PM is working with a developer, uh, there's a, there's a healthy pushback that can always happen of like, well, listen, the last time that an estimate was made and we didn't come in on it, I just want to make sure, did you consider everything you need to consider? Should we have another set of eyes look at this? You know, the healthy pushback, um, which isn't lacking trust because sometimes that developer may have come in with a foggy mind that day and was like, oh, you know what? I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point. Other times they might be like, yeah, trust me. Um, and that the, the developer can do that to the PM too of like, hey, do, are, do we realize that there's 10 stakeholders here and they're all trying to give feedback in this one tool and they're all giving feedback a day apart. So we're kind of doing revisions and then going back and doing more. And a PM might say, I didn't even realize. I didn't realize because you are on that email chain. You are seeing all of those revisions. I wasn't included, whatever. So it can go both ways and that creates trust. Sometimes it can create a bit more work, a bit more talking, um, a bit more back and forth, challenging each other, but accepting that it's because we all have the same goal in mind. And I think that that establishes trust. It's not just always coming in on yeah. time, on budget. Everything's perfect. Client's happy. Sometimes it's pushing each other that creates that trust because we know we're going to hold each other accountable. Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. And I think just to just to close up, in, in at the end of your article, you um, talk about our purpose being, as PMs, to facilitate collaboration. And so how do you, I mean, what are the, being very practical, what do you see as the most important ways of, of doing that, of facilitating collaboration? What does that look I like to you? I think that uh, looking at the beginning of when I was here at Irish Titan, our process, we had developers stepping in as soon as requirements were buttoned up and determined and designs were approved. And then we would hand it off to the developer and say, oh, hey, by the way, this is who this client is. Uh, you're going to build a website now. Don't worry, everything's approved, good to go. Now, now go do your go do your code thing. And it was like, okay, and that's how, that's how it works sometimes. Not anymore here. Uh, so we have the devs involved at, at the kickoff. Um, we have them client facing. We work in what's called the diamond model here. So uh, without having a whiteboard to write in front of you, if you imagine a bow tie model, where in the middle of the bow tie you have the PM and the point person on the client side, filtering all the information from who's behind them, the edge of the bow ties. On each side, uh, they have the teams are back there, and all the information is filtering through that PM. Uh, so you have risk of information dropping, uh, communications being misinterpreted, what have you. And so we invert that bow tie model into a diamond model so that everybody who's at the table uh, is who needs to be at the table for those requirements or that engagement, that project, whatever it is. So uh, how to get a developer to collaborate, it, it, it's both on an internal front and a client front. So we have them at the table at kickoff so that as soon as a client might say, yada, 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 X, Y, Z integration, uh, the PM isn't just noting that. And then the creative is like, that doesn't affect my designs. I don't care about that. But then the, the dev can say, um, excuse me, integration, what does this mean? Let's, let's dissect this a bit. And so from the beginning, they're there to collaborate. And then we can have internal checks and balances, even if it's designs before they go up to the client, have a sit down with the team, have the dev included for that internal design uh, review. So we're not just saying, oh, this looks great. This app, this, this, this is so much cleaner, but we're also saying, you know, and the dev is like, okay, what does that do? Where is that pulling from? They're, they're bringing that other layer of, of knowledge to the table that otherwise I think can go forgotten. And that, you know, in turn, full circle, it can break the trust where the developers are like, don't treat us just as resources who are outputting code. We also want to have a say in, in, in the construction of this project, which is how it should be. So that 
empower them to, to collaborate with the whole team through the whole process. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Good stuff. Actually, and uh, one of my favorite things you said, yada, 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 X, Y, Z. But that was a great summary of a conversation. So, Kelly, thanks so much, though, for joining us. It's been great having you with us. And if you'd like to contribute to the conversation, comment on the post and head over to the community section of the digitalprojectmanager.com to join our Slack team, um, where you'll also find all kinds of interesting conversations going on about this and lots of other stuff. But until next time, thanks for listening.